from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine. And everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back, probably part of the Utini Podcast Network. This is a Star Wars books podcast for people who are definitely not too sleepy after too many Thanksgiving leftovers. Do they, do they even have Thanksgiving in Ireland? We'll find out in just a minute. Where we celebrate our rich EU history as well as dive into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays, and I'm joined once again by the wonderful, the lovely, but not as exciting this week because he's not our special guest, Freddie C. Yeah, unfortunately, not the special guest this week. Uh, and it's not even Rick. It's somebody no. that you may have heard just a blip of during our That's intro. Right. And I think we should uh, pass that mic off to to that person. That's right. Let's hear from the now Irish redheaded playing the bagpipes, <laughs> Emily Daybeck. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, I'm here. Can you even see me right now? <laughs> camera's not working. Yeah. <laughs> Your camera's not working. Of course. We hear you. Not. This is this is Rick's top tier ventriloquist voice of Emily in case oh, you can tell. <laughs> this is like classic. Hey! Okay, we see something now. Yep, there it is. Yeah. Selfie. Just hold Here the camera. <laughs> your, in your bare hand the rest of the show. <laughs> Shaky cam like the born identity movies. Oh, well, yeah. while, she, while she gets that uh, all straightened out, we're glad to have I'm you, back. Emily. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. They don't actually celebrate Thanksgiving here, uh, but we were able to host a couple of people from Mike's course that he's in. Oh, cool. Um, and so we were able to have it at the officer's mess at the Cura, and it was lovely um, but I didn't realize that I forgot to tell everyone else that it's a very casual event and Irish people oh. dress up to the nines for everything. Sure. And so I roll in in like black jeans, a red sweater and like literally rain boots. And I'm underdressed <laughs> by like leagues from everyone else in the room. Everyone else is like wearing like full Monocles. Christmas, like, yeah, yeah. Like there's an, a dress code. In fact, Mike accidentally wore shorts one of the to one of the dinners, and it's not allowed. Like you can't wear shorts. You have to wear oh. like full on trousers with like. Man, he was showing his leg guns out. That's what he was doing. Yeah, I know. So yeah, he, he texted me in a panic. He was like, "I'm not allowed to wear shorts," and I was like, "Oh no, you're just gonna have to like up your personality to like a ten, yeah, because like you just have to own it now." Yeah. So I tried to own my black jeans, and the biggest <laughs> mistake was the wellies. I just. uh Showed up in rain boots and definitely should have worn normal shoes. <laughs> well, the good news anyway. about this podcast is we don't care what shoes you're wearing because I'm That's still true. I'm still convinced that she's got spider legs down there, guys. <laughs> Orange You'll never know. for me. <laughs> oh no! Nice. Put those things down, Rick. No, don't you ever show your feet on the show. Dogs again. are out. I'm just wearing Adidas That's slides. Nice. <laughs> Moving on. Not as not uh, as cool as you guys. Now we're gonna see his face, but not his feet. Thankfully, our producer. <laughs> Rick Grace? Yeah, nothing nothing really going on with the face, so I'm here. <laughs> For our audio listeners, we're looking at, at Rick's hot, steamy feet right now on the camera. Yep, just mm. the feet. <laughs> Patreon got, only. I think Jared's going to throw up or spit up. Yep, or... There's a little bit of vomit in my hand. I'm not gonna... <laughs> <laughs> that off. Oh, boy. <laughs> Woo, speaking of vomit, let's talk about the book that we're going to be reading. <laughs> No, sure. it's there's, there's plenty there's plenty to love i'm just hamming it up a little bit oh man there's wow. plenty to love uh <laughs> oh, this is of word. course rick tell the good folks you love the book tell the good folks what we're reading today yes i i do enjoy the book quite a bit uh yeah so we're talking about i jedi uh it's a cool book written by michael a stackpole this bad boy is is old 
Uh, published May 4th, 1998. May the 4th be with Corin. That's right. Very important day. Um, it follows Cornhorn's adventures after the Back to War and the Thrawn trilogy, uh, which this original cover art was by Drew Struzan. Um, and recently, uh, October 24th, the Essential Legends collection of this book was released. And good news for all of you oh. who haven't read this yet. There will be an unabridged audiobook coming January yeah. 23rd. <laughs> that was a read. genuine gasp from Emily. Yeah. It was. I didn't know that. It's going to be good. I'm about to read it again, all over again. And it's yeah. read by Jonathan Davis, which is awesome. Ooh, nice. So, uh, yeah. And one of my favorite parts about this book that we'll discuss in some detail, maybe here, maybe later, is this is the first and only full-length Legends novel written entirely in the first-person point of view. There are, like, short stories... Yeah. yeah, and there's segments of other books, though. To my knowledge, this is the 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 only full length adult legends novel. Most likely, I'm pretty sure, with an asterisk there. And we don't have our chat here with us to fact check us. So, uh, what we say goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Unlimited power. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Suck it, Skuma Joe. No interrupting us this time with facts. So <laughs> no, we do appreciate you. Um, yes, we do. Speaking, speaking of, of Skuma, Skuma Joe. Joe <gasps> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Oh, okay, here we go. This is Skuma, Ju- Skuma Joe's fan art. Skuma Juice. <laughs> Skuma Juice. That would be canceled. Thanks for that. Skuma uh, Jim. Yeah, this is that pretty is sweet. Awesome. I love this so is, much about this. What, this is in in the style of what again? Uh, Castlevania was that? Yeah. Yeah, that was the the. Man, so much so much about this that I love. It's great. It looks like a Super Nintendo cover art. Yep, yeah, with a little just... Nintendo sticker. Now, hey, let's talk about this. This is the fan art. We also have the Drew Struzan cover. Um, there's also now the the Essential Legends collection art, which, to my money, is uh, probably the best Essential Legends collection yes. cover. Which of these three, Skuma Joe's fan art, uh, probably notwithstanding, we should probably put that one out because it's the it's the it's the clear winner. Um, the Drew Struzan or the new Essential Legends collection? Which one do you prefer? Ooh, which one's the new one here? Do I have it? You should. Um, Let's see. The uh, Essential Legends collection. Corin is that guy. It's his backside. No, not that one. Just sure. Cycle through all these pictures of Corin Horn. Let's see this beautiful man. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> goatee. Right. Goatee. Strong goatee. All right. Then they're done that. Okay. And then uh, it's definitely gonna cosplay as uh, Cornhorn. Look at him, smug. Okay, that's come on. Look thumbs at up. How, look at, I'm the best pilot around. Thumbs up. <laughs> and what a weirdly shaped thumb. I guess it's accurate. Okay, that's all I got. Okay, well, you guys have seen the cover. Um, he's looking at the Jedi Temple from behind. So you don't have to look. Oh at yes, face. right, right, yeah. Which it's really nice. Oh, I like that. The yeah. the. the the original Drew Struzan, though he's a legend, it's gotten some criticism for Babyface Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ba- the Babyface Luke is a little, a little off. You, you can, uh, it's a what is that? Uncanny Valley. It's definitely hitting that Uncanny Valley. And uh, Corin looks like, are just so, like, yeah, doughy. This is, this is midlife crisis, Corin. Yeah, Corin. It, looks it like almost looks like Luke 50s. is supposed to be the love interest. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? And it's like I Jedi. Who is who is it that we're talking about? Yeah, is it Corin or is it Luke? Who's I, the Jedi? I didn't Who's know. It, yeah, Luke it seems looks like, like Ed Beru. Oh, should be Luke, <laughs> or he looks like Grand Moff Tarkin with some mm-hmm. eyeshadow. I think we're looking at Ant Beru. The feathering is delightful, oh. though. 
like yeah. the I like the hair. <laughs> the yeah. Oh, I though, yeah. though back in the day, seeing this thing on the shelf of the library, I was like, I cannot wait to read this. And I read a couple pages and put it down and got back to it twenty years later. <laughs> so I do, I do love the X wings in the back. Although that's nice, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a nice touch. It, it's very, it's very interesting. Uh, not not in my opinion, not Drew Struzan's normal style of work. I guess. No, I do right. believe this was his last Legends cover. Okay, hmm. if I'm not mistaken, no, that was the the. Thrawn duology, which we just the tried. lightsaber's beautiful though. I love the way that's drawn. Yeah, that's very yeah. classic. And it looks just like a flashlight, man. It's just a flashlight. <laughs> I'm looking at the hardcover right here. Uh, well, is this that's I've got one of those in my window still that's, downstairs. That's how they originally looked in the the film though. They they were white yeah. with a color emanating around the white. Um, yeah, this is just a flashlight. Um, also, <laughs> Luke definitely has a butt chin on this yeah. big time. Oh yeah, yeah. You can I, eat your lucky charms in oh, that. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, oh, I can't unsee that. But can Moving we talk on. about the and the embossed letters and the, this era of Star Wars books, like oh, the, yes. the shiny, reflective, raised letters on the paperbacks? Oh, so the good. gold. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so good. Classic. There's <sighs> no beating that. So, nope. I'm excited for us to talk about this book. It's going to be a spicy one, guys. So uh, this is your spoiler spicy. warning. If you have not yet read I Jedi, now's your chance. Or not, but you can if you want. <laughs> Now's your chance. You should, especially with the audiobook. <laughs> you probably should. Yeah, I'm Ooh, excited yeah. for that. And you can get your copy over on uh, utini.com. Click on the, uh, what is it, release schedule up at the, the top, uh, the top bar there. And then you click that little Amazon thing, and we get 4% of the sale. Not us personally, but someone somewhere gets 4% of the sale. <laughs> so <laughs> helps keep the company afloat. And Amazon gets the rest. That's right. So let's let's get into the summary. Hey, by the way, guys, as I start to read this, I was writing the summary yesterday afternoon. I learned a new vocabulary word. In fact, I learned that the way that I had been spelling and saying one particular vocabulary word has been wrong for thirty years. Interesting. And the word is swashbuckling. I thought it was squashbuckling. In the, spirit of, <laughs> in the spirit of, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, having some squash, some pumpkin squash pie buckling. here. I typed it. I, I can't like, wait. We're gonna have a whole Thanksgiving meal of all of Jared's mispronunciations. <laughs> and some I'm squash like, buckling with chives. This is great. Why is this thing underlined? It was it had that little red squiggle. And I was oh like, my oh, god, get that red squiggle out of here! And I go back and click on it, and it tried to put a W over my Jared. Q. Jared. Yeah. <sighs> Here's the thing. For the Utini lunch or dinner that we're going to host, we're going to have some squash buckles <laughs> and we're going to have some chives on the side. That's right. That's going to be the Legends Look Back touch to the whole dinner. And some virgin alcohol for me. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, oh, let's get to it. Here we go. <laughs> After his squash buckling adventures as a Corsac officer, <laughs> as a Corsac officer hooking up with a space otter. Giving love advice to hotshot pilots, liberating Coruscant with Rogue Squadron, being strapped naked to a chair by Yassan Isard, rubbing his grandfather's medallion, staging a prison break from the Star Destroyer, and discovering his Jedi heritage, the adventures are far from over for Corrin Horn. He returns home after a mission with the Rogues to discover that his wife, Mirax, is missing. So Corrin does the only logical thing one would do in such a situation. He says, no big deal, and he goes back to bed. The next day, he wakes up, and he's like, uh-oh, I think something's wrong. So then he does the only next logical thing, the next next logical thing. He enrolls in Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy because it's probably not urgent. 
Yeah. Rick, you're up next. All right. So the first half of the book retcons the events of the Jedi Academy trilogy, inserting, yeah, pretty bad, inserting Corrin and Mara Jade into the events of the story this time around. So Corrin is really bad at telekinesis and thinks Luke is a terrible teacher, but uh, he can do some pretty sweet Jedi tricks like force projection and energy absorption. Long story short, Corrin comes up with the baller idea to blow up Exarchoon's Force Ghost with explosives. <laughs> and when Luke refuses to punish Kip Duran for the war crime of, you know, blowing up 25 million people with the Sun Crusher, as one does, Corrin, he pieces out. The next stop, the only logical place you can go when your wife has been kidnapped and you just spent a semester in an alternative learning school in the haunted jungle, go tell her private, her private, her pirate dad <laughs> on his candy apple red star destroyer. I don't want popcorn, you to bother me. I'm private. Popcorn ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After hitching a ride with Booster, Corrin goes back to his home planet of Corellia, where he ditches the Jedi training and falls back on his old detective ways infiltrating the Invid Pirates undercover cop style. Corrin plays pirate for a while, builds a new lightsaber, makes a new alien friend, and embarks on a Jedi Batman campaign, raiding pirates under the cover of darkness. He is vengeance. He is night. He is so perfect. He is Corrin Horn. (laughs) Emily, finish this out, my friend. So Corrin eventually gets in way over his head. Surprise, surprise gets ambushed by pirates and has to be rescued by his old pals, Luke Skywalker and Oral Quirk. On to the book's final boss, because it didn't have enough incredibly disjointed segments, Corrin has to duel the force-wielding Jensarai. Sounds good to he me. He gets... Is that how you say that? Yeah, yeah. Of course, it yeah. It's okay. all <laughs> Jensari? Uh, he gets help from all of his smuggler, pilot, and Jedi friends as they take down the Jensarai plants a frightening vision in the mind of their leader, rescues his wife, and goes back to Yavin 4 to blow up Exar Kun's temple a little more, for good measure. Oof, wow. There it is. That's I Jedi, folks. <laughs> and whenever that, the... doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> Say, that doesn't for Legends Look Back. Thanks for coming to the show, buddy. <laughs> oh, what you man. got, Rick? I was just saying that that last paragraph, whenever uh, whenever the movie comes out for this, is going to have some really annoying like classic rock ballad playing you know, like terribly just one of those mood changers, you know, that's like that song doesn't belong in this movie, but trying to make it cool. That's what's going to happen is like some heavy metal or rock with blowing up XR Coons castle. That's what this book needs. Heavy metal. I would like it way more. That's um, right. Hey, can I say something real quick? Nick too. Martirelli out there. Put in some heavy metal. It's this book's, <laughs> you know, that Corin would do it. Turn it up to 11, just like Corin. What's Oof. up, Rick? Uh, so you don't like this book too much, but no. this is a really, really well written summary. So I, you know, I think you might like it more than you realize. Hmm. I didn't even, (laughs) well, I, I did want to give it a good shake because this book has, um, it has developed quite the reputation at uh, Utini. In fact, our CEO, Dr. Corin Hilton, Corin Hilton, is what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) That one was actually a mistake. Well, nice knowing you, Corey. Nope, Freddie. Nope, Jared, that's the one. Yeah, I'm getting the boot for this one for sure. Th- this is actually a place, probably the only place, where, other than the fact that we love the way that the Ithorians talk out of both sides of their freaking faces, this is the only thing Corey and I agree on about anything, um, <laughs> is that neither of us really like this book. Um, wow. But yeah, I, I if I was going to rate it, I would probably give it, you know, mediocre. Um, however, there's plenty of good stuff 
for us to talk about with this book. And I do have a few critiques that I think would have saved it, but that's not what happened, and this is what we have. And I do know a lot of people love it. Um, our, our friend Bro Dameron, co-star of uh, Rick's uh, Freddy's uh, recent Star Wars Celebration video, Bro Dameron. <laughs> he loves this book. Tom from yeah. Delray. Tom from Delray. Um, he, he, <laughs> this was his first Star Wars book, so that's great. And I do not besmirch yeah. that in any way. It's just, I, it's just not my favorite. So, Rick, you loved it. Tell the good folks why. What's your rating? Ooh. Um. All right. I gotta have the ratings again. We need like a chart or something because I always forget. That's uh, a good idea. Have like a visual chart for it. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Incredible, incredible. Great. I'm riffing at this point. Good. Fair. Mediocre. Okay. Um. So say that again. <laughs> In- masterpiece. Then great. Incredible. Incredible. Okay. Good. Okay. <clears throat> great. And then. All maybe- right. And then just down the down the road. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I unfortunately have put it on that bottom slot. Well, I'm going to give it an incredible. Um, and oh. I don't give it incredible for the sake of its literary uh, features. I really do like the first person. So that definitely uh, elevates the experience for me. But this is just classic Legends. It's so weird. <laughs> and yeah. it, it works for the era. Um and that's what I love about it. It's just fun. You don't know what's going to happen next. And really all the don't. different segments. Uh, and like, <laughs> as a reader, it engaged me so much because like, you're right. From the very beginning, you're like, why isn't he doing more to rescue his wife? Why is he going to the Jedi Academy? <laughs> and so, yeah, I was engaged with it. I wanted to, to like see what was wrong oh, with Cornhorn and what <laughs> happened lot. in his a life. Lot, a lot, you know, a lot. and, and so, uh, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. You though. get. Here's the thing, right? It is first person. So you brought up a great point, Rick, with, with it being just a different perspective. You get involved in it just a little bit, you know, a little differently, but also you see things from Corin's point of view and you hear him talk about himself. And the more you see it, you're just like, come on, dude. <laughs> Corin loves to talk about himself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And how perfect he is and how he is, he is absolutely lawful good, right? It's tough to, uh, the highest. The the highest. Highest, like he, he's off he the sees charts, himself so up there as well. Lawful right? good is in this corner. Corin is in that corner, yeah. way farther. Okay, yeah. Emily, what's your rating? Um, I thought it was good. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was. I don't love it as much as Rick does, but I definitely don't dislike it. Like it was a good book. It was action packed. There were some problems. Um, I think those are kind of glaring. But I honestly, I feel like it was a really introspective, like. It was Corrin's like journey to becoming like his version of a Jedi. So I think, given that it's entirely from his point of view and it's <laughs> his thoughts through everything, it makes sense. <laughs> like I mean, yes, it is a little yeah. bit self-absorbed, but like that's kind of the point. It's his journey. Yeah, yeah. Emily, it's been nice having you. We'll see you in soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was reading yeah. it. And I was like, okay, yeah. So like I've I've read a lot of this before, even though I've never read this book before. <laughs> And then also, like, he never wants to save Mirax. Like, he, that's never, like, an urgent matter for him nope. somehow, never which is very urgent. confusing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, there were, affair, part, there were but, problems. Yeah. But, like, yeah. overall, I just thought, like, okay, this is action-packed. Like, there's stuff happening, and, like, it's it's complex. Like, it is. he's making some decisions that you don't always predict. No, you and can't. So it was interesting. Can't predict them. Nope. No. I, I've always wondered why they had to insert Corrin during Jedi Search. During during that whole series, right, with 
why couldn't he have just gone to go save Mirex right away and then figured that he was likely treading on the path of darkness? I didn't see why they had to go and do all that stuff on, on Yavin. I felt like that was such a good part of the story because that's where he became a Jedi. But I feel like he, I don't know. Here, here's how I saw Corrin. He's like, I'm okay. so perfect. Why do I need to be a Jedi? I'm so perfect. Oh, wait. So you're saying that I can be even more perfect. By being a Jedi. Okay, well, let me be a Jedi. <laughs> Wait, but I want to be... And, and, and for, it's so hard for him to realize that he can combine all of his skills into one one thing, right? And One Megazord like that, of Corrin. That Megazord Corrin, right? He's like, oh my god, I can be super perfect Jedi investigator. Batman. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've That's got so I much more I can say about this. <laughs> to, to Emily's point about the... the introspective, it's Corrin's point of view, I think that is the problem. Uh, one of many <laughs> is that you need a break from this guy. Uh, you need to. You need a perspective shift. That's what worked about okay. the X-wing books. You spend a chapter block. with Corin. You spend a chapter with the Imperials. You spend a chapter with Isard. You spend a chapter with with uh, with Wedge. Wedge is always yeah. such a breath of fresh air. You love Wedge. And you get back to Corin. You're like, man, this guy's a bozo. But you can't root for him. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then you go spend another chapter in the dungeons and of them. They're melting the Gamorreans with the virus. And you're like, this is better than Corrin. And then you come back to Corrin. And you're like, oh, man, maybe he's going to grow. And so this is part of that. And I do, I will say, I love yeah. where Stackpole takes the character mm. by the time we're going to be there in just a few books in the New Jedi Order. So yes. hang on to that. So, yeah, hang like it, he's a dynamic character, uh, you know, because... You're right. He, he, he evokes a response. You're like, this guy is, he's trash at times. Like, you just don't want to like him. And so I think that's part of the good, like, the quality of the book is that it, mm-hmm. it, um, you do see some character growth and you see him make some mistakes. You know, like, I love, you know, Wedge as a character, but what's, what's wrong with Wedge? He's, he's, he's a daddy. Um, Wedge is just, he's, he's know. everyone's dad. He, he, but he has like no character faults. He's a very two dimensional character on that. He, oh, yeah, that's true. he has a hard time loving, right? He has a hard time staying still and, and he won't accept promotions. That's true. He doesn't want to, he desktop. loves his students too much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love Wedge. I'm not trying to no, pick on a, Wedge. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Very fair. Yeah. So I just, I, I like it for that regard that it gives, it gives him some, uh, some, some depth, even though it's not a great character for a person that I want to be best friends with. Um, yeah, but yeah, brutally honest because like real. there's no filter. Right, he just, he it's filter. like all the thoughts that like everyone thinks these things, like, but mm. having to read it brutally, like I'm sure, like if we were, if all of our thoughts were typed out, like we wouldn't look this good either. You know, like, <laughs> like we wouldn't look very yeah. good either. Because uh, you always have like your gut response, and you're like, okay, no, there's something wrong with that. Like, let me add on the filter of like, okay, I know I've learned this about this culture, so I can't think that about this person. Or like, mm. I know this about men versus women. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, you, you apply all of these filters to like what comes out of your mouth. But when you're in someone's head, you don't get any of those filters. And that is Very kind true. of part of the, he's a bit that's, jarring. That's the experience. Yeah. He's like 90s misogyny personified in one person. <laughs> if it was a caricature, if it was like an SNL sketch. Um, that's how he feels. And so. But if you notice the things that come out of his mouth, the things that he actually says. Right. Are not what, not always what he thinks. So like. Yeah. I'll, I'll quit, I'll quit dumping on it. There's plenty of good okay. stuff. That's that a great perspective. That's yeah. a great perspective, yeah, Emily. We've missed I, you. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We did. There a lot of perspective there. I I sit right in between Jared and uh Rick, I think in terms of like in the book. I think right there along with you Emily, it's good. I wouldn't say it's bad at all. It it's it's interesting. Uh there there's I guess coming from like reading the older legend stuff and then reading this one, I was like, "Wait a minute. I'll never forget reading this and thinking, I feel like I read this book already, but I don't think I did." The names seem familiar. Kip Duran, okay, I remember that. But, you know, and then, of course, that's when I realized I was, oh my gosh, this is a, a total retcon mm-hmm. of what we read in, in Jedi Search or Jedi Academy trilogy, right? Uh, so part of that was a bit jarring for me because I'm like, why would you do that? Why do you need to go there? I don't really know if there's a point and a reason. Jared, do you know what the point and reason was to re- retcon? The behind the scenes reason, no. I'd be interested if our listeners know and they can let us know yeah. in the chat. Um, they can let us know in the YouTube comments or, of course, on Twitter or in the Discord. Let's have some debate about that, some discussion. If anybody knows the behind the scenes, that was not one of the things I asked Stackpole. It's probably <laughs> I, in fact, tried to steer whoop, right around this book. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if it has to do more with Mara Jade than Corin, just inserting Mara into the oh. um, in the Luke story more. It yeah. reads like he hated the Jedi Academy trilogy and he wanted to fix it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, so, yeah. all right, let's, let's talk about it. Uh, Corin as a character, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about his character choices here. Let's talk about this, this particular plot point here. Uh, in the Jedi Academy trilogy, the characters, this is a spoiler for the third of those champions of the Force, they defeat Exar Kun's Force Ghost, remember this, by thinking about the light side, right? They together, they just really think about the light. And they're like, let's use the light. That's how it ends. <laughs> Which doesn't make a whole ton of sense, but it's a very Kevin J. Anderson thing to do. <laughs> yeah. In in this, in I Jedi, Stackpole says that was a distraction and it was useless and it did nothing. And what actually happened was Corrin blew up the Force Ghost with bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Which, okay. I love the idea that the Ghostbusters were busy that day. So Cora was like, no big deal. I've got some dynamite in the garage. Let's blow up the ghosts. Insert the Independence Day quote of the president. Nuke them. <laughs> hey, here's, here's a Legends Look Back. Uh, ghosts Busting Services. Are you ready? Here's our promo. Got some ghosts in your house you need to get rid of? Here's our solution from I Jedi by Michael A. Stackpole. Blow up the ghosts. Just blow them up. That's the solution. Just blow up the ghosts with bombs. Who you gonna call? Corin. The bombs. <laughs> the bombs. You know, there's. I, I'm looking at my notes because I took a lot of notes for this book. Uh, a lot of ridiculous things where I'm like, oh my gosh, why would you say that? Uh, Coon clone was one. I, I, they talked about the Coon clone, XR Coon clone. So <laughs> oh, okay. the Coon clone is gonna be right. uh, a, le- a Legends Look Back meme coming up here soon, so get ready. Uh, a lot of interesting things like childish jokes from a childish mind, like just a bunch of good zingers. My favorite one is is Luke Skywalker just straight up saying, I think you need to get rid of that goatee and that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that dynamic between Luke and Corin. I think that's a great dynamic. That yeah. for me is the best thing in the book yes. is that Corin would not get along with Luke. No. They are um, both headstrong, though Luke just believes the good in people. You remember from the X-Wing books that Corrin always believes the worst in people. Mm-hmm. His own squad mates, he's like, you're a spy. You're a traitor. 
Um, in fact, he was dating the traitor, but let's not focus on that too much. Mm, I can um, just right over that. How, in what way does Corrin function as a good foil for Luke? Yeah, that's interesting because Corrin is very blunt, very honest, doesn't really believe in the good in people because he's been a detective and seen the opposite for his whole life. So he's very, he's very jaded, mm. right? That's the difference. They're very, he's very jaded compared to Luke. I feel like Luke, Luke was just a farm boy, happy go lucky. World was all right for him. Yeah, he lived on Tatooine, but otherwise he was fine. <clears throat> then Legends, he turns he's out a, he's the eternal optimist. Yeah, eternal optimist. And and thinking about George Lucas, right? George Lucas wrote Luke. George Lucas has a fascination with with like the the nobody being somebody. That's exact that he loves that concept. If you look at his his vineyard, uh there's like a image of like this angelic boy sort of and that's basically Luke personified. So I feel like that optimism of like people can change that Naruto, you know, I believe it. I believe it. I believe you. I believe everybody. I believe in everyone. Uh, change can happen. I, I think that's, that's Luke, right? He's, he's, he believes that no matter how evil you can be, his eternal light and optimism is going to bring you right back into the light side. He's going to make you his friend. Whereas Corin is so jaded and he's just not, he, he thinks everything Luke does is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> basically yeah. Yeah. well he's also from a very structured background and Luke there was no syllabus like Yoda gave him zero direction he was just like just yeah. things aren't what you think and you know it's all in your head and uh use your feelings and like that was totally foreign to Corin. um mm-hmm. he's from a very driven structured background which is difficult to translate into the mm-hmm. Jedi so yeah that is a good perspective in the fact that you come from a military background and so you've got, you got structure and order. And Luke, he's taking people out to a haunted jungle. <laughs> and you guys figure like, out. Let's what just figure it out. Yeah. Luke drove me crazy in this book. It's like, what is he even ah, doing? Like, there's no plan here. You brought, you brought up a great point, Emily, because going back to the Jedi Academy series, that's how it felt. You're like, Luke, why are you doing this? Like, Axar Kun? What? You could have done a little bit of research. All of those thoughts that we had, that was what Corin said and i was like okay yeah <laughs> yeah that is my favorite part of the book is Corin and luke dueling on yavin 4 like the practice duel yeah. uh, after gantoris or is right before gantoris dies uh, shout out to gantoris gantoris was a real one mm. rest he in was. peace gantoris mm. but the uh the duel in which case Corin is like you're an idiot and this is a <laughs> terrible way to train students that, mm-hmm. that's pretty fun i do like that yeah. somebody needed to call luke on his on his yeah nonsense. Yeah, and like like you pointed out in the summary, just uh, letting Kip off with hardly any kind of repercussions for yeah. his his actions, and um, yeah, I, I definitely love the interchanges, even just the like <clears throat> the few lessons that that Corin learned from Luke at the academy. Just seeing Luke teach from Corin's perspective was cool. Um, so yeah, I don't know if if inserting Corin into the academy was necessary, but I liked it. There were some cool parts there. Yeah, it did um, end up with some cool things like blowing yeah. up ghosts. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do y'all think that uh Corn and Mara Jade could have been a couple? Like, I it seems like, like they wanted to. It seems yeah. like that they wanted to. Relationship is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It seems like there was both a point. Too jaded. Yeah, they're both too <laughs> jaded. Uh, and I feel like Mirax is and and Mara Jade are so similar in a way that Mirax is more of like the pirate, where where you know. 
I think Mara Jade was really on the dark side for a long time and saw all of that evil. And she's like, there's, you know, with all that evil, how could there be any good? That's, that's more Mara Jade's character. And then she that, finds it in Luke. And, and Luke's, yeah. he's so eternally optimistic that Mara is like, you just, you know, there's nothing you can do but love him. He's just, yeah. he's so uh, uncompromisingly good. We won't talk to her about what happened in Dark Empire. Um, <laughs> Zahn doesn't do a lot of acknowledging the Veach, uh, Kevin J. Anderson stuff. Not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Emily says that from the feminine perspective, while we have it here for once in six months, what's, uh, <laughs> how did you feel about the Corin and Mara Jade dynamic? Um, I think that they would be good friends. I think that they are too similar that anything further wouldn't have been an option. Uh, I think that they would have just butted heads too much. Like I find like in my marriage, I, we tend to befriend couples that are like the reverse of us. Uh-huh. So like I am most like the man in the relationship of our friends. And then like my, Mike is most like the other woman. Yeah, we're the same. Uh, and that's yeah, just kind of how that. we work. We're kind of like used to functioning with the opposite. Um, so yeah, I think they were just too similar. Yeah. Though I do Good like point. seeing them team up in this to defeat Ecto yeah. Force Ghost. Like they're great friends, like great allies. But I think any kind of close proximity or like a deeper relationship eventually would have had too much tension to make a romantic attachment feasible. I think it would have been more explosive even than the explosion uh, that yeah. they set off. Nice. Um, yeah. While we while we've got your feminine perspective here. Uh obviously Mirax getting kidnapped at the very beginning of the book is one of the major plot points. Um, though she herself as a character is not particularly, um, she doesn't have a ton of agency in this book, which um, after having fallen in love with her in the X-Wing books, kind of feels like we're robbed. What was your take on Mirax's kidnapping? Is it, was it uh, fair or true to her character that, that she would be a damsel in distress? I didn't like that. I think that was my – there are two main problems that I had with the book. The first is the kidnapping. The stakes are way too high to have that long of a response. Like if it's a kidnapping story, you've got like three days to a week for everything to be resolved. The first uh, 24. Then, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like it has to be very, very fast. So the fact that he dragged his feet so long, I just thought that her being kidnapped – the stakes were way too high. Like they, he, it needed to have been a different crisis for that to work. Because I was pretty mad at Corin for like almost all of that, where he just seemed like totally chill with going for runs and sleeping well at night and like making friends. And then Mirax <laughs> is just like a big question mark. Like you're just gonna let her die? Like what? What are you doing? Uh, yeah. so, it goes a little fast at the end, right? It's just like, and they yeah. found her and everything was good. <laughs> and she was fine with it? Like, boy, you've been gone for like months and now you show up? Like, I would have words to say. Yeah. That's you why know? I feel like if you were to take out the but, Jedi Academy part, remove yeah. it completely and just leave in the, you know, infiltrating the invids and stuff like that, that feels more like the story. And yeah. I wouldn't, this is part of my criticism. I wouldn't have hated no first person, none, zero first person. Try that. It changed the manuscript. I did not like a single word of that. However, uh, I think this could, this could have <laughs> been a good trilogy had it yeah. been one book is Luke doing Jedi training, doesn't get along with, with, uh, with Luke, blows up the temple. That's the end of the book. Next book is he's uh, doing pirate yeah. stuff, pirate undercover cop book. Then the third book is Mirax is kidnapped, 
that is its own separate plot yep. for one book, and he actually responds after having had Jedi training. That's in my mind, it would have worked. But where does uh, where that does... was my second problem with the book was just that it was way too much plot. What hmm. were you saying, Rick? I just don't know where where Jedi Batman fits in in that three book series. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting about that part. <laughs> it was my favorite part. Uh, like I, it, it is. was it was so goofy but fun, and I loved it. It is. It is fun. Yeah. Parts of it were so interesting, like that weird dynamic between him and the pirate queen. What was her name? Oh, the dominatrix. Yeah, like that was weird. Dominatrix. Oh man, she was intense. like an uncomfortable. Like then, yeah, and then yeah. like Amirax has been gone for so long. You're like, Corin is like a horn dog now. Like he just <laughs> he just needs something from this lady, and he's about to. I don't know. That's that's his name after all. Yeah, that's his middle name. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> Corin Horn Dog. <laughs> Corin Horn Dog. Yeah. Oh boy. That makes sense. Although, okay, so what were you saying earlier about the oh the first person thing? I, that didn't bother me at all. I don't know why you're why are you so bothered by it? Corin is the most irritatingly self-absorbed character in the history of Star Wars, and I'm so sure everyone would be if you were this, in their head the whole this time. This is the first, but he already was. In the X-Wing books, and that was in third person, and you're only dealing with him in an ensemble cast as one of a dozen rogues. And this time, we get 425 pages of nothing, no breaks, all cast, no breaks, nothing but you're trapped, trapped in Cornhorn's <laughs> mind. Check this out. You ready? This is him talking to a 4,000-year-old no, Sith ghost. All right. Uh, oh, so yeah. this is, well, uh, I think he's he's trying to goad him in something. Uh Corrin saying some stuff, and Kuhn says, You insolent bug! Open his shadowy arms wide. You prattle on as if your wit can army you against my might. Here's, here is, uh, Corrin. You ready? This is Jared. Jared's gonna throw back, throw himself back in the chair. And you think you can hurt me? I scoffed at him. This is your eviction notice. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, come on, dude! That's when he pulls out his cop badge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I actually kinda like that. But, um, I, I personally so found this was an experiment, a literary experiment that I thought was was a failure. Um, lesson learned, moving on. And and to that point, the first canon book that did this, Heir to the Jedi, Long Live the Noodle Squad out there, um, that one is in first person. And I also would consider it in competition with this for the worst Star Wars book ever written. Wow. Um, you know, and so okay. I think for me, a lot of the first person style is what grates me. I loved watching him fight Rogue Squadron. That was the best part in this cool. entire book. That was cool. Watching him just not, not just watching him fight Rogue Squadron, but watching him fight his like mentor, yeah. not Wedge, right? Uh, Tycho, Ty- Tycho, yeah, right? Tycho. So. Uh, so Tycho, he, he's like a robot when it comes to flying. He's absolute genius to flying and to see him almost outdo a Jedi is insane. That was cool. Right. And seeing that in first person, seeing, seeing Corin admit to like how, how genius these people are and, and his friends, how he talks highly about his friends in rogue squadron. I feel like it was like, you should have just never left rogue squadrons where you, where you belong. He respected everybody there that he could hear it in his tone, how much he loved those people. He respected them. Uh, that was, you know, that was all, and not just that, but watching him work with, with his group, his, his pirate group, right? He, the, uh, well, he started off with Rock Nine, Rogue Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, how funny was that? Yeah. Uh, and, and seeing him talk, when you heard him talk about folks that he admired, it was really, it was nice to hear him 
speak to about those people in that certain way, right? Like those pirates. Uh, he didn't think very highly of them at first, but some of them, when he got to know him, he realized like these are some special people who are just caught in a bad place. And seeing him acknowledge that, I was like, okay, he's not just that lawful good. He's he's mm-hmm. learning a little bit, but there's definitely growth. Yeah, you see it, you can see it, but it's it's tough to get there at the very beginning when he's at the Jedi Academy. He just sees himself as this like high and mighty. I'm better than and, everybody else. And I can relate to that. <laughs> I kind of felt that way. Rick knew me. Um, we started college, and I kind of came with that that mentality. Um, like they don't have anything to teach me. Uh, I'm here mm. to put in my time, meet a woman, get my degree. <laughs> I was the same you know, though. Oh. So like, and and I mm. had to realize very quickly that's an attitude that's going to get me nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I I can relate to it on that level. Go ahead, Rick. I was just <laughs> say like I was the same way, and that's why like uh, yeah, you and I were friends, but it was almost like frenemy kind of thing. Um, and uh, I liked you, but I you know yeah. <laughs> Well, I, right. I, I liked you Secret too, nemesis. but like I was jealous of you. You know, you had strengths that mm-hmm. I didn't have. And so it was kind of like a, I couldn't be happy for you. I had to be better than you kind of mentality, mm-hmm. like very competition driven. It felt like, which even though yeah. it wasn't really there, it just, you know, perceived. And so I see that in, in Corin for sure, um, especially with Luke. And he just doesn't measure up to Luke, which is funny. Um, That's but. right. The very first line of uh, a Rogue Squadron is you're good, kid. Uh, you're, Luke good, you're good, Corin, but you're no Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. That is absolutely my favorite line ever it, written. It, in this is another book. This is another book where we got to see how powerful Luke was in a way, right? With just his ability to do things like nothing and his force powers, how naturally they came to him. And mm-hmm. uh, hearing about the Salamari again was really fun, mm-hmm. right? To, to hear Corin's point of view of how it felt, right? He felt like disoriented and dizzy, whereas more practiced... Uh, Force users just feel like an appendage is cut off, so it's cool to see like the 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 new the newbie Jedi come in and how far Luke is ahead. Just like with Mara Jade, right? She, he was so far ahead in, in Force ability. You can kind of see it here, although th- they they kind of dumb him down a bit. Of like, come on, you just you're just a farm boy. What do you expect to know, right? It's like, oh, come on, Luke knows. <laughs> And what I do appreciate about all that is we're going to take all of this foundation that's been laid with Luke, with Mara, with Corin, and these are going to be the next generation. Yeah. They're training the, the next generation of characters in the New Jedi Order. And so you get to see Luke in a mentor role. Sometimes he fails at that. You're going to see Mara in a mentor role, and she's great at that because she's mm-hmm. actually got actual life lessons to teach. Yeah. Um, you get to see Corin in a mentor role. Yeah. Also in a, a one-on-one showdown against the Yuzhan Vong warlord with an entire planet as the stakes. And so that's yeah. like his ego serves him well in a beautiful way, as we'll, we'll get to in just a couple of books. So my, my favorite part about this book is what happens in the next couple of books. Hmm. Yeah, so it's a good, it's a good point. Yeah. We've talked about the characters, talked about Corin and his decision making and sometimes his, his infuriatingly, uh, arrogant, mindset though some character growth we talked about uh, Mirax's damsel in distress thing didn't necessarily love that we do love Mirax though um we talked about uh, Luke's Luke and Corin's relationship Mara and Corin's relationship we've talked about some of the the big overarching points here with the book written first person point of view I was not particularly high on it last thoughts on the first person point of view guys uh, up or down you, yeah. you liked it too too liked it I think it would it's, have been even better if there had been multiple perspectives, but I didn't mind the first person at all. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. 
I want to see it normalized <laughs> in Star Wars books. I want to see them do it again, but write it well. You know, there's um, much more of it in canon, and and there's quite a few short stories that do it. And mm-hmm. I could send you. Uh, you read some of the short story anthologies, Tales from Jabba's Palace, yeah. Tales of Mos Eisley Cantina. Some of those do that cool. to various degrees of, of success. Um, yeah. So we talked about some of the plot points and the way they gelled together or didn't and how, you know, maybe they could have been different books, but they're all in this one. Guys, which of the, uh, the, the major set pieces of the book, we'll call them, the Jedi training, Corrin plays pirate, Jedi Batman, or the final... Hoorah. Which of those was your favorite uh, section of the book? I'll let you guys go because I, I, mine is pretty. I don't know. Mine, mine fl- fluctuates. <laughs> Rick liked Jedi Batman. Is that right? I think. I, I mean, there's things I liked about every part. Um, I think I probably liked the ending the least um, just because mm-hmm. it did kind of feel rushed. But yeah, Jedi Batman was fun because it's rare that you get a Jedi story of a Jedi being like this vigilante good guy with who's just overpowering his opponents. And then like, that's it. Like that was pretty much the, the plot until he, he finally met his match. But um, it was fun. Just him, him stirring up the, the dark side of, or the dark, not the dark side, the underside, I guess of uh, um, whatever planet it was and doing good and stuff. And, <laughs> It was just goofy. I, I enjoyed making it, people run into walls. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> Wait, that he was messed fun. them up, like the, all kinds of ways, and it was awesome. Like he yeah. just, I love when they do that in books where they, like, the main character finds a way to completely destroy an organization. Because, like, I don't even know how anyone would do that. So it's mind blowing to me that, like, that that was even possible and like how also like I did think it was kind of laughable how quickly he infiltrated the organization and yeah. rose to the top like nobody's yeah. nobody thinks this is strange like no <laughs> one is suspicious about this or like yeah. all these other people have been in these positions for years and then Corin just up and like takes it all or was it Kieran Halcyon or something like that yeah, um, yeah. the number anyways, of aliens I that, part too. <laughs> that was my favorite is like how he just destroyed the pirates without like I don't know I love pirate. Wild. I love pirate Corin in the shadows. Yeah, I was a big fan of pirate Corin because he was very no nonsense, but he was very uh, logical in my in, in my science. Uh, I guess my point of view is his, his point of view was l- property. Pff, let's destroy it. Who cares? Life. We're not destroying it. And so mm-hmm. I, I can just see Corin during this time probably just blowing people's stuff up nonstop, <laughs> right? And that's what it said. It's in the book. He blows other things up, other people's stuff up. He's, uh, yeah, he's taken out a bunch of ships and whatnot. Uh, ion, ion, uh, and you've got to, you've got to imagine, Rick, you, you've got to imagine using those ion cannons has to disrupt electrical components yeah. and that's... cause major electrical damage. And, and these people, little private armies or personal, pri- personal boats or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the taser of the, uh, yeah. Of a, of I just loved that. Fight. I loved yeah. we're him working like just owning other pirates too and beating the heck out of that one dude. <laughs> yeah, he destroyed that guy. I mean, he just throttled him. <laughs> yeah, was that, was uh, that the finger cool punch? Because he's such an arrogant character, but he like when you it. start to realize by the end that he kind of he's earned it. You know, like he kind yeah. of is Rogue just Squadron. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I so think I, it's I love fulfillment for for people who want to feel like they are. An investigator 
pilot, Jedi, pirate, <laughs> Batman, all these things, it all. wish fulfillment is, for is, all of it. Is Corin a true true crime podcaster? Is that what's going on? <laughs> he could do it and all. I, I think I'll go with, uh, I like the Jedi training, because I like seeing somebody stand up to Luke. Hmm. Um, and that, that, that functioned well for me. And he did voice a lot of my criticisms with the Jedi Academy yes. trilogy. Word so, for word almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is good. Uh, guys, this is going to wrap it up. Any uh, final words here on I Jedi? Emily, it's been good having you back. It's been wonderful um, to be back. So did we ever, ever have a good reason as to why Marex was kidnapped though? Like, mm. just for, I, I never the story. got that. Did they, did the Invid pirates, the Jinsari, did they, they had a did vision. They, did they ever right? know that Corin, that it was specific? Did they target him specifically? I don't really recall anymore. I feel like I, I see that part went so, so fast in the book that yes. uh, you don't even I'm the one that wrote the question, which meant that I didn't understand that plot. So yeah. <laughs> I think ultimately, right, they had like everybody had force visions of some sort. Mm-hmm. Everyone had a vision of some sort that took them, which is interesting that Ural also had some sort of like, I know where to find people. It's not where to find them. It's just when. That's like his specialty. Right? Interesting. So, so Mirax was investigating the Invid pirates because she herself is, she works for New Republic Intelligence, right? Kraken. Yeah. So she got herself in hot water there. Mm. So then you would think, why doesn't she just That's go right. to Kraken and say, what was the case she was working there on? There was something <laughs> with the Jinsari or Jin, Jinsari or whatever we're calling them. Yeah. Uh, where Corin was their, like, Corin was the path that they had to go, and it was either he would be their destruction or their, oh, that's right, their savior. And he clearly, we saw the point where I feel like he, that he could have been the destructor, right? He, he was kind of dipping in the, he was a gray Jedi for a while with the pirates. That's why I liked it. Dang it. I knew I it, Jared. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get pushback for that. Everybody, that was Freddy's that was point, pretty not mine. If you are offended by a gray Jedi, <laughs> hey, Corin, he's a green he's a pirate. Jedi. He loves green. He's a green. Oh Jedi. boy. Um, yeah. we haven't the, even had time the, to talk about his lightsaber yet. That's true. That which one? He's adjustable. Uh, and he had to. He had to get. Oh, that a was pill that could bring it slightly longer. longer. <laughs> oh, yeah, <sorry. laughs> that was the most ridiculous part uh, of this whole thing. Book. Isn't it like an inch like, and a half longer? What? <laughs> It was not that much longer, and then oh, it almost boy. shorted out the whole dang lightsaber. It was the difference between like a regular sword and a claymore, is what I would think. Man. <laughs> hey, when Corey did that um, inebriated Patreon event a couple of years ago, yeah. where he read portions of I Jedi um, and would take shots whenever Corey did anything misogynistic, um, I sent Corey. I sent Corey the the the, the page <laughs> to read of Cor- of Corey building his lightsaber. And Corin was oh, Corey was so drunk by that point <laughs> that he could not even read that page. He got a few sentences in and was like, "What even is this?" And I had to try to find that clip. He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't get through it. But uh, uh, so, did the did the Jinsari come back in Legends? Not that I remember. Really? Not that I remember either. <laughs> oh, that's a letdown. That's a were letdown. they like samurai? What was the difference between them? They were they were a third uh, a tertium quid. Um, that's so they were like they're um, not quite like the Jedi witches. They're they were almost taught in the Jedi way, but using Sith tactics. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it was. I think got a picture of one. Do you have the picture of the oh, Jinsurai? Yeah. They um, um, they look pretty cool in the picture. How how 
looked like samurai. Yeah, cool. exactly. Samurai. Because they talk they about do. the armor. And I was like, this is a very samurai tradition, right? To... Mm-hmm. Interesting. So this book has everything. Blowing up ghosts. Jedi um, samurai. Kidnapping wives. That's right. Jedi Batman. Jedi Actually, samurai. Would, would the Jinsari be gray Jedi, technically, since they were taught Jedi ways with a yeah. civil point of view? More so. That does it for this week. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. For- <laughs> Uh. Well, Emily, uh, we're about to tackle the New Jedi Order. If anybody is wanting to follow along with us at home, uh, next book that we do, we might we might break it up with a comic or two along the way. But we're going to be diving in headfirst, head over heels into the New Jedi Order, starting with Vector Prime by R. A. Mm-hmm. Salvatore. Emily, uh, this is a 19 book series. Are you glad that you're no longer on the show full time, or are you gonna be trying to follow along at home? I uh, unclear. Okay, so truth be told. Look at that beautiful I, So I did start to read that, actually. Um, and I don't think I finished it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I might I might follow along. But truth be told, since I haven't like had any homework for a while, I've gone on this really deep dive back into my home genre of fantasy Don't you say books. Star Wars. Don't you say Star Trek books. Don't you say it. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Sci-fi is my second language. I am originally and at the core a fantasy girl. And so I've been like straight up binging. And so I think I'm almost done with my bender. So I might end up tacking on the new Jedi Order at the end. What are you reading, yeah, Emily? Yeah, give, give us some wrecks. Oh my gosh. Y'all, it went deep. Um, So... I saw my, my sister-in-law recommended A Court of Thorns and Roses mm-hmm. uh, by Sarah J. Mass, and it's a very popular book series on like Instagram and TikTok and whatnot. So anyway, so it got so much press. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. It was so good. Y'all, you know I don't buy books. Mm. I bought mm. the boxed set like Whoa. almost instantly, and I reread wow. it three times. Like wow. the, all of them, three times. And then they, she also wrote the same author, wrote another series called the Throne of Glass series. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then there was like Fourth Wing and uh, what is it? Iron Flame. So I, I just kind Catwoman of. Book. Huh? She wrote a Catwoman book that I read. Did she? That was, nobody saw that one coming, did you? And that is it for this <laughs> week. Yeah, I'm just look back <laughs> So yeah, that is just a sampler, but it's been a variety of just like, that's I awesome. don't know. Back to all right. My all right. Original. So you know how like your spouse will tell you something and you just don't listen, and then someone else tells you the exact same thing and you listen all yeah. of a sudden. <laughs> this is Sarah J. Mass for me. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, she has all those books and loves them, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Star Wars. I totally cool. underrated them. My sister in law yeah. told me she's like, you have to read it, you have to read it, but we do not have the same taste most of the time. So I was mm. like, okay. Mm. So I put it on hold on the library because I'm like, I'm not buying these books, and then I listened <laughs> to the first one. And then I think I listened to the second one. And by then I was totally like, there's a big twist. And then I, it had me wanting to reread it. Wow. And then it just, and then huh. it went, it set me on this spiral. Cause she's, she's written three different book series. Um, and there was the twist that the, the lightsaber gets slightly longer. <laughs> it was a bigger twist than that, but it's definitely, I, it's a lot of first person. So I don't know if mm. I, I don't know if you can handle it, Jared. No, 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 not interested. My wife owns all those, but I'm not. No, no chance. <laughs> No shot. Okay. But good to hear that you're still out there reading books, and would love to have you join us for uh, perhaps one of the one of the new Jedi Order books. That could be fun. So we've got some good ones coming Just up this next year. Read book nineteen. That's what Corey did, right? 
nine. He book. He read book nine of a oh. nine book series. Oh, okay. It was was that Fate of the Jedi then? I I actually might argue you could potentially read like Wikipedia summaries of a few books in the New Jedi Order, and you'd be okay. Mm. Though I would recommend reading at least the first five in their entirety. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So if you're following along at home, pick up Vector Prime for our next roundtable. That will do it for this week. Thank you for joining us for Legends Look Back. Thank you to our incredible patrons for your support. Uh, a special thank you to Brian Dooley, Carl Sander, Michael Fry, Raven Bazinski on the Jedi High Council, Ashley, nope, Ashley Ingalls, James T. Colton Five, Chris Carrizo, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. Remember, everybody, to sub to the channel, leave us a review in your pod- podcast platform of choice. If you'd like your thoughts around the show, our contact information can be found in the description. And we're on Twitter at Legends Look Back. Remember to keep the Uchini fan code, everybody, and be a force. For positivity in the fandom. May the force be with you and your spider legs. This is a Utini broadcast. <laughs>